so then, don't don't talk straight. No, talk straight. I can't talk straight. <laughs> okay. Ah. <laughs> You're catching me. <laughs> okay. This should be fun. <laughs> You're like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should we start? Yeah. Welcome back to the bundle of hers, everybody. We have me, Bushra, and her G in studio today. Um, we're going to talk about a topic I'm very, very excited about. The purpose of our podcast is to kind of talk about things that we normally don't talk about and just Mm kind of shed some light on a number of issues. And this topic, which is just going to encompass LGBT and LGBT health, we have no personal experience in. Mm -hmm. And so we have a wonderful guest here to kind of help us have a conversation about this. And we have Matthew Peterson, who is a fourth year and one of our uh, student body presidents here. Yeah, that's right. Welcome. Hey, We're happy hey everybody. To have you. I'm We're happy so to be here. excited that you took out the time to talk to us because you are in your fourth year. How's that going? It's great. It's busy. Um, I'm off for two months, so I don't have two clinical duties for two months, and I'm off across the country interviewing for residency programs uh, in internal medicine. I can't wait till that's us. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I can wait. <laughs> it comes faster than you know. I'm just trying to pass step one at this point. <laughs> That's so true. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matthew. Yeah, I grew up in Utah. I grew up in Layton, Utah, so just 30 minutes north of Salt Lake City, which is where we are now. Did my undergraduate in Logan, Utah, mm. uh, in nutrition science. Mm. And then through nutrition science, I started taking courses like epidemiology and medical sociology. And I thought, maybe I want to study healthcare systems, or maybe I want to do something with healthcare systems. So I went and worked in industry uh, and worked in a, at a healthcare consulting firm mm-hmm. for a while and determined that I did not want a desk job <laughs> and that I really wanted to work with patients. Uh, so I applied to medical school and came here to the University of Utah. And now I'm in my fourth year. Like you said, I've decided to go into internal medicine and I'm in the process of becoming a resident soon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Exciting. So I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, what were your goals when you wanted to apply to medicine, uh, to medical school? And then as a medical student, how have they changed or maybe like doubled down on some of those goals? Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating question. Um, like a lot of medical students, I had exposure to the medical field early in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a cousin who was born with hypoplastic left heart uh, and he was in at primary children's hospital mm-hmm. a lot in and out for surgeries and whatnot. So I saw that and I saw the physicians and the nurses and all of the staff and was super impressed by them and decided I wanted to go into medicine. Um, So that was the initial impetus. And then in college, things changed a little bit um, and kind of I focused my goals a little more. Um, I had some experiences myself going to the doctor and not feeling comfortable sharing information about myself. Mm -hmm. I wasn't out uh, at that point. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this is a really, this is really actually kind of unsafe yeah. for me to not yeah. feel like I can share certain things with my physician. And so then that kind of started my my journey into LGBTQ healthcare advocacy. Mm. Um, in medical school, uh, your goals and your, and your ambitions kind of change and evolve so much throughout. Um, I really discovered how much I love relationships with patients, which is why I chose internal medicine. Um, I like to think about things. I like to kind of... Um, prognosticate and, and yeah. you know, come up with differential diagnoses. So that's what took me there. But I still kind of throughout have maintained a uh, maintained an interest in LGBTQ health. 
Um, so while you were applying, how did you address, or if you did or didn't um, address the fact that you are a part of the LGBT community mm. or how, <laughs> how comfortable did you feel? Yeah, kind of it was disclosing that it was a really uncomfortable spot for me. So I came out in 2013, mm-hmm. okay. uh, right after I had graduated from college. I told my parents, I started to tell my friends, um, kind of very slowly and with people that I trusted. And that was also around the time that I started my application for medical school. Right. Um, and it was this strange spot that I feel like is pretty unique to people who are part yeah. of the LGBTQ community that do I say something about it? If I say something about it, is that going to be too much? Am I, mm-hmm. am I sounding like I'm trying to exploit it or, you know, or am I even comfortable? Is somebody going to read this and say, Oh yeah, I don't know about that. you know, yeah. maybe he's a little too much this or a little too much that. So it was really a problem for me and it was right. really something that I had to think about. I didn't end up saying anything about it at all in my application. Um, and I think that's because I was just so anxious about it. Yeah. Um, it's something that, I don't I wouldn't say that I regret in retrospect because I learned a lot from that experience Mm -hmm. and now saying I am never going to be shy about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was it was an interesting learning experience. But no, I didn't I didn't address it in my application. Mm -hmm. So your interview process, I would imagine now is a lot different. Um, Your application process is a lot different than it was back then. Yeah. Especially now, I feel like you probably are more um, comfortable sharing that piece, Mm -hmm. the part of you who you are basically, right? Yeah. And not feeling you need to hide anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it hasn't even been, you know, be really immersing myself in the medical community Absolutely. and realizing how open people are. It wasn't even a question of right. whether it would be part yeah. of my application. You know, my work with the Utah AIDS Foundation is on my application. Um, forming the LGBT and allies in medicine group mm-hmm. is on my application. So it really yeah. kind of is a running thread throughout. Well, at the same time, not being the only part of my application. Uh, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, I wonder, like, I love how you said that, you know, there was this whole like thinking about it, both positive and negative Mm -hmm. thoughts. But how do you how do you separate who you are from like showing who you really are to people? Mm -hmm. Like, I I imagine that must have been really difficult for you. You spoke about how that's kind of the time you started coming out to people. Mm -hmm. What was your like maybe like mental state at that time? we're all familiar with that kind of time in life. And so Mm. you're already so anxious and so kind of um, wound up because you're applying and you're waiting to get emails from these programs and waiting to hear what they're going to say. And then to add a layer on top of that just kind of adds to the stress, adds to the stress. So when I did get um, an acceptance to the university of Utah, it really calmed things down Mm. because I knew at least that I had this acceptance that, that, that things had gone well enough there. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as hiding versus not hiding and being who you are, I've really made an effort to kind of integrate my identity as a gay man into who I am overall and not mm-hmm. have it be the only part of me, but definitely have it something that's present. Absolutely. Right. So when I started on my rotations in third year, one of the things I considered was, you know, I have a small rainbow pin and I thought, can I wear that on my white coat? And I was really anxious about that back and forth. You know, is it appropriate? Am I going to run into an attending that's going to look at that and say, oh, I don't know, you know, that seems a little in your face. And so I emailed the um, program director mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, the uh, clerkship director and asked if it would be appropriate to wear it. And she said, of course. And it just became something where I I just wanted to create a safe space. Yeah. If any patient anywhere had felt the way that I felt, you know, all those years ago at a student health clinic, 
they could see that pin and say, okay, he's a, he's a safe space. Yeah. Whether, whether or not they were going to tell me something additional, which they may, or whether they just, it was just a feeling of comfort because the hospital is a scary place. Mm-hmm. You were saying that being a gay man wasn't the only part of you. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about like kind of even like intersectionalities within identities and how that like impacts maybe your life? Um, you know, I think so. we all hold so many different identities and we all identify in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we try to bring those together, right. right? That we try to find the intersection of those identities because I think there is maybe a danger or just, you know, you're missing out on things if you're not embracing all of those identities. Mm-hmm. So I do, you know, I do identify as a man, mm-hmm. um, as a cisgendered male. I do identify as a resident of Utah who was born and yeah. raised here. I do identify as a gay man, but I also, you know, identify as a future physician and I also identify as a, you know, kind of a policy wonk who likes to yeah. talk about healthcare policy. And I think it's important that you that you find the intersection of those things so that when you're interacting with other groups, mm-hmm. you bring all of that to the table. Right? So when I'm talking to my policy wonk friends, you know, I'm not just that policy person. Mm-hmm. I'm also bringing another perspective to the table and exposing them to a pr- perspective that they may not otherwise see. Yeah. Have you ever felt discriminated against because people focus on that part of your identity mm. of being a gay man? Um, and I kind of just am interested in like rotations sure. and like, you know, your hospital life. Cause yeah. I haven't had any experience there yet. Not sure. until next year. Woo. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is, it's, I'm glad that you bring that up. And I, I've kind of been having some interesting thoughts about this as of late. Um, and so one thing I always talk about, I help to, um, tutor for the clinical medicine mm-hmm. course. And so I talk to students a lot about how to interact with patients. Yes. I think something that's so important with patients is that they are going to cue off of you yes, and how they respond. So, you know, we ask a lot of really personal questions as physicians. So if I'm coming in and I'm going to ask about, you know, um, a sexual history, the patient is going to feel like things are awkward if I come in and I say, oh, okay, well, yeah, I just ask you a question and it's like kind of awkward, but I have to ask everybody and do you, <laughs> right. have, do you have sex or do uh, you Literally me. <laughs> right, right. And then the patient's like, this is so weird. Awkward. But yeah. if you come in and you are very confident and you yeah. say, okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions that I ask all my patients just so I can get a better sense of their health care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have sex with men, women, or both? Right. Oral anal or, va- oral, anal or vaginal, mm-hmm. right? right? Like you just go through. And I've noticed that patients, when you come off with that confidence, completely respond to that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like it's been the same way for me as a gay man in healthcare. The times I've been the most nervous about it is when I felt like judged or felt Mm, like things have been awkward or, you know, been in that headspace. But the more confident I've become with it, the more it's just a non-issue that is Mm -hmm. just a part of who I am uh, and a part of what I do. So in the beginning, Right. When I started on rotations, I was so, so nervous about how to answer questions because you've got these attendings that are like grading you and they're actual physicians who are in the position you want to be in. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to answer the question when they say, because everybody makes small talk when they say, are you married? And at the time I, I, at the time I had a partner and Mm -hmm. we'd been Mm -hmm. together for a few years, you know, are you married? Okay. No, I can answer that. Honestly, I'm not. Oh. And then sometimes like, are you dating anyone? Mm hmm. 
uh, do I lie and just say no and avoid all yeah. the questions mm-hmm. or do I say yes, but then have to explain and it's not too personal. And so I think when I was so nervous about that, things like that came up more yeah. mm-hmm. and because I was stumbling, everyone around me kind of like felt like they were stumbling. And now I think it's just, it's really become a non-issue right mm-hmm. from the most, you know, people have a, are very professional here. And so even if they did disagree with me or feel strangely about it, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah kind of off of this story it's Mm. like it's in this daily talk that you have to think of these things Mm. that maybe another person doesn't have Mm -hmm. to think Mm -hmm. like if someone were to ask me that that's maybe not something i'd be like thinking consciously of right sure so i think that's where it's really important like again i want to hone in on how important these Mm. topics are because they they impact like every conversation Mm -hmm. that you have in your life i noticed that it seems like you're a very introspective person like you're always thinking about like (laughs) what are people thinking and stuff Mm -hmm. but like it can be taxing at times right absolutely now i kind of want to hone in on lgbt healthcare disparities Mm -hmm. first question is what are they (laughs) i think that's That's a very good question um so i think it's important to remember that the LGBT community, like any community, is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, the L's and the G's and the B's and the T's and the Q's don't all have the same yeah. concerns yeah. or have the same disparities. But I would say overall, you know, it kind of, um, for me personally, it has to do with, you know, being able to be honest with your physician creates disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as far as like sexual health, I still think. As a society, we're still pretty uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And so that can be an issue Um, specifically right now. You know, we have PrEP, um, pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a real mystery to a lot of people like where to go to get that and how much it costs and how you can get, uh, you know, a discount card and what doctors are comfortable prescribing it. Um, So I think that's a big, a big disparity there. And then I also think, you know, this is a very can be for many people a very taxing experience Mm -hmm. to grapple with their sexuality and be something out of societal norm. And so I think mental health care is incredibly lacking for LGBTQ individuals. So we're all medical students right now. And so I think the goal is to kind of figure out a way that we can kind of better the mm. way that we deliver healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I know it's kind of, it gets a little mucky with like healthcare policy, but as, as of right now, what do you think that we can do to do better by these patients? Mm. Yeah. I think just making sure that your patients know that you are open to whoever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to approach that differently. Some people have an ally sticker on their door. Some people wear a pin. Um, but it doesn't even have to be as as pronounced as that. Yeah. You know, in your first conversation with a patient, sit down and, you know, really listen to them and hear what they're saying and ask really uh, thoughtful questions that allow them to explain who they are. Some people might, you know, do things like include surveys that say, what are your preferred pronouns? But other people might say, just sit down in, in an interview with mm-hmm. the first interview with a patient yeah. and ask questions like that. What mm-hmm. are what are your preferred pronouns? Do you have any concerns? Um, I think back to my experience at the Student Health Center when I was in college and that physician, you know, I put so many of my perceptions on him, mm-hmm. but I just saw him as this person who was going to be so uncomfortable with the fact that I was sexually active with men. Mm. Yeah. And so I just hid it from him and I just lied, 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 lied. And it was not good for, right. you know, I didn't get good healthcare because of it. 
Um, he could have been the most open person in the world. So I recognize that sometimes we put our own fears and expectations on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being sure that you are open enough that people realize that they can dispel those fears and that yeah. they, that they maybe misjudged. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I kind of picked up on is, um, the idea of allyship. Mm. Um, yeah. and I think that's something that we've all had experiences with here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, what what does allyship look like to you? Not necessarily like, hey, I'm a big supporter of you <laughs> and what you're doing, but like in the more, I, I guess, nuanced ways that you can be an ally. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Some of the bigger ways, I'll kind of start big and sure. then and then taper down. So I think some of the bigger ways, you know, I've, I've had classmates who have ordered that same rainbow pin on Amazon yeah. for $2 and wear it. You know, there's such a, there's this kind of still a stigma of like, oh, should I? I mean, I'm not LGBTQ. Should mm-hmm. I wear this? Yeah. Are, gonna, are th- people going to think I'm LGBTQ? Mm-hmm. I'm like, who cares? Right. You wear the pin and you yeah. wear, the, you know, and then people can see that you're like an open person. If you're not comfortable doing that, you know, just again, being open and having conversations with people um, as a physician, I think knowing your resources so that yeah. when you get a patient who says, hey, I want to go on prep. And if you're like, well, I'm not really comfortable prescribing that or I've never done it. You've got a ready list of people that you can say. I really oh, like that. Yeah, like I have this friend, and they can they can help you with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just reaching out to to for instance in medical school to your classmates. Right. You know, people will come out in medical school. It's like the prime time of people's lives that yeah. they're figuring themselves out, and just making sure that they know that that's okay with you. That's important. Growing up, did you ever have, did you ever see any representation of the LGBTQI Mm. community in, um, in medicine? Phenomenal question. This is something I talk about a lot. So I'm really glad you brought this up. No, I think that was the problem. And that was one of the things that held me back from coming out Mm -hmm. is that I knew what my goals were. I knew what I wanted to do with life. I wanted to become a doctor. Yeah. But I never saw any examples of that. I didn't know gay doctors or lesbian doctors or, you know, gay or lesbian lawyers. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, I use gay and lesbian because that's what I'm the most familiar with, but I also mean trans and queer and bisexual. Right. I didn't know anybody in those positions. So I thought, oh, if I come out, you know, that means that I'm going to have to change my trajectory completely. Yeah. Uh, which is not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's one thing that I've really here at University of Utah striven to do, um, been striving to do is really bring these people together. So we started yeah. a quarterly um, LGBT and ally medical mixer. Mm, okay. So we come together once a quarter. And basically, just like you mentioned before, the LGBTQ identity isn't always outward. Right. And so we all come together and it's very casual and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, drinks and hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. And it's just to see people and have a familiar face so that when you're walking down the halls, you can say, oh, hey, Dr. Renner, like, yeah, I know you or, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I've worked with this nurse or like now now we know each other and it kind of creates this this uh, community, really, which I think is so important. It's just that like feeling of comfort, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. whenever I see, yeah, like being a part of Mm -hmm. something like that's so important to establish, especially Mm. like I always feel myself doing that when I see like women of color doctors. Oh, I see you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that means that maybe, you know, I can get there one day. Mm -hmm. Those small things, they're actually really big things that really like impact you. And I think it's like this brings up a good point that I think once you've experienced feeling 
like you can't do something, once you've experienced feeling small, once you've experienced feeling like you're not part of what is going on, Mm -hmm. it really helps you identify with everybody else. And I think that makes you a good doctor, right? Like, yes, I'm LGBTQ and I'm a, you know, cis Caucasian male, but Mm -hmm. like I identify so much more now with women in medicine, with women of color in medicine, Mm -hmm. with minority, like because we've had this shared experience of not being enough or not or or thinking we're not enough. Mm -hmm. And so then we all kind of coalesce into this Mm -hmm. stronger unified body. I love that. I know. (laughs) So great. I think we're, you know, I, you identify as gay and you Mm -hmm. were saying that you, um, you know more about that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also like a huge trans community. Mm -hmm. So could you talk about health disparities um, in regards with that community as well, as much as you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just like when we started this show, this is a space where I feel very similar to you that I'm not necessarily a part of that community because Mm -hmm. I don't identify as trans, but I, I really um, am sympathetic and, and really identify with mm-hmm. them. So I think, you know, trans trans healthcare and disparities in healthcare for trans people are huge and a huge area for improvement, you know, where we can do better, whether that's social things like using the correct pronouns or um, kind of knowing how to appropriately ask questions all the way down to like even basic healthcare, right? Like a lot of trans people don't know where they can get hormones yeah. or where if surgery is possible and if it is, can they afford it? And they have, there are a lot of questions. Right. Um, and I, and I think the problem is that even we as physicians who maybe aren't endocrinologists or aren't mm-hmm. in trans healthcare don't know the answers or don't know the resources or where yeah. to point people. Um, so I think that's a big disparity. I think there are resources out there, right. but it's us being able to connect our patients to them. I think that's a great way to show that you're supporting or Mm. you're like you're there for these people is by knowing like where to direct them. How do you see that um, in the future, like being taught to us or or how can we actively teach that for ourselves? Mm. Yeah, that's I think it's something that you can teach kind of in a curriculum. I think you can integrate trans healthcare into a curriculum, even if it's just a small part of a curriculum. Um, but I think a lot of that is local and grassroots and like, you knowing your resources, like, you knowing the doctors in the area who Mm -hmm. provide trans health care and knowing them personally, um, and enough to refer a patient there. Um, so I think a lot of it, a lot of the, the impetus is on us to figure out what's in our communities. Yeah, that's so true. You know what I, I find very interesting, but actually I, I just had this thought, like, I know that the LGBTQIA community Mm -hmm. is kind of like that term is very combined. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think you brought up a great point that each thing's different, Mm -hmm. but you kind of have those shared experiences Mm -hmm. that you can stem from. Um, How how do you feel about that, like all being lumped together? Um, I can see it being a positive thing because Mm -hmm. it's like unified force. Sure. But then I think it can also get sometimes, um, I think it can also be like, you know, some areas are getting more attention than the other. Right. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really complicated, mm-hmm. um, both socially and politically and economically, yeah. um, which is why I think in healthcare, especially, you know, I always bring it back to, cause I'm going to be an internal medicine doctor. Yes. I always bring it back to conversations and personal, um, connections with patients where, yeah, on the surface, you might know that they identify as LGBTQAI, 
But you need to have the conversation and say, where in that world do you exist? Right. Like, where in that space are you and what are your needs? Mm-hmm. Because not every lesbian woman's needs are the same as another lesbian woman's needs. Yes. Or, you know, not every, you know, a trans person's experience is totally different from another trans person's experience. So I think that's important. Um, and, you know, we had we had somebody we had a day where we had people who are intersex come and talk to us and yeah. and very different experiences. Right. Like one uh, intersex woman who identifies as a woman said, I love being part of the LGBTQ AI community. Yeah. Like there's so much life and vibrancy. And then another one said, I really don't identify with it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew, you kind of mentioned how um, mental health is another disparity. And I think that's actually, I love that one because it's like pretty huge. Cause it's, again, I feel like I've noticed this mental health is something that kind of ties into your overall health. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like that big umbrella. Mm -hmm. So um, can you kind of talk about a little bit more in detail about the disparities that exist there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really easy to boil down a person, especially within the LGBTQ community, boil down a person to them being a sexual minority. Mm -hmm. Right. I think all too often, especially I will speak from a gay man's perspective, all too often we think, oh, healthcare for gay men, HIV testing, syphilis, gonorrhea, you know, they should have an infectious disease doc. Yeah. And like, I'm so much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think mental health care is so important because it really addresses the nuances of coming out and the nuances of understanding family relationships and processing trauma or processing difficult um, situations yeah. in a way that infectious disease and internal medicine and surgery and endocrinology and you name it, you know, orthopedics doesn't address, Mm -hmm. right? No, no other physician is really devoting the time to dive down into that. Um, And I think the disparity exists because it exists nationwide. I don't think there's enough mental health care for anyone. I agree with that. (laughs) Frankly. um, Mm -hmm. But I think this is a population that is at particular high risk with the high suicide rates and um, particular need Mm -hmm. of mental health care. I think that I've noticed that very often that mental health kind of like ingraining into all, you know, even the Mm -hmm. choices we make. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's so important for not like not only this community, but like you said, everyone. Yeah. I want to end off by asking you, like, what's the legacy that you want to leave? That's a huge question. (laughs) That's a really good question. Wow. That's a big question. I think. More than anything, when I progress in my career and when I can progress in my life and when I leave this planet for whatever may be after, I think what I want to, the legacy I want to leave is one of compassion. Yeah. I want to have been there for people who are confused and afraid, who think that they can't, um, people who don't understand what's happening to their bodies or Mm -hmm. to their minds and to have helped shepherd them through something difficult. I love that. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time talking to you, um, I think, on something that is near to us as well. And we just want to continue having more conversations like these. Um, I think that you're doing such a great job. I was wondering if you would close out our um, episode. <laughs> I would love to. So thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Um, I had a really great time talking about this with you guys, and I hope this sparks further conversations. Um, Be sure to check out Bundle of Hers on iTunes, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
that oh was my so God. fun. I, I just like keep on listening to you. <laughs> This is okay. a blast. You guys are a blast. Thanks oh my for gosh, being thank open you so to being much. Here. I think that was awesome. I loved it.